Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. His face and voice are synonymous with cycling coverage in Australia. Countless thousands having grown up watching and listening as he presented the sport to the Aussie audience over more than three decades. But more than that, he's a trusted journalist, a pillar of SBS, a long-time presenter of World News Tonight, and one of the most grounded, genuine and down-to-earth TV presenters you could ever meet. Of course, it's Mike Tomolaris, and we are thrilled to have Mike with us on this, the latest Bicycling Australia podcast. First, a thank you to podcast sponsor Physiocrem. Physiocrem Solugel is a topical pain relief gel for the temporary relief of muscular aches and pains. It's popularly used amongst bike riders and I use it myself. Physiocrem contains menthol and the naturally derived ingredients of Arnica, Hypericum, Calendula and Melaleuca. Physiocrem is available to purchase at your local pharmacy at Coles, Woolworths and Chemist Warehouse. Always read the label and follow the directions of use. If symptoms do persist, speak with your healthcare professional. Okay, on the line we have Mike Tomolaris, who I believe is just back from a Monday morning ride. Is that right, Mike? Hello, Nat, and hello to everybody. Yes, that, that is correct. I've started this tradition. It's not really a tradition. It's only new. I started it about a week ago, and if you look at my Strava, I've labelled it Monday Tunday, and what it is, it's a 100-kilometre ride. Last week, I was on the road and cracked 100 k's, and uh, this morning, the weather was a bit iffy, so I decided to jump on the indoor trainer, and I cracked 100 again. Um, i got plenty of time. I can do that. I can ride my bike long distances now. Um, I haven't got a full-time job, so I'm pretty happy with, with the way things have panned out. Yeah, well, that's good, Mike. Monday, Sunday, there's a ton of rain out here, so good call, Ree, the, um that indoor trainer. Absolutely. Look, I've taken to Zwift in the last uh, 12 to 15 months, and uh, uh, look, I, I love riding my bike. Um, I never thought I would at the age of 60. I'm almost 61, but look, it is the best. Uh, the wind through my hair, the sun on my shoulders, there's nothing better, particularly this time of the year, November going into December, summertime, um, I love it. Just love riding my bike. Yeah, so good. Great to hear that positivity. Uh, Mike, less than two months ago, mid-October, we, we heard the absolute unbelievable news that you were leaving SBS 
very quickly after, you know, more than 30 years at that network. Basically a foundation pillar member of, you know, SBS in Australia. Um, it took everyone by surprise, by storm, by shock. I'm still quite shocked to, to think we won't be seeing you present or, you know, preview and um, get us all excited about major races next year. Um, I'm not sure what you can tell us at this stage, but the, I'm sure the listeners really want to hear what what happened and why are you not with SBS? Look, it came as a shock to me as well. I didn't want to leave the way it happened. Uh, one night I was presenting the late news. I do work in the newsroom as well, or did do. And uh, some 48 hours later, I was unemployed. I didn't see it coming. Um, what can I tell you? Well, I can't tell you the specifics because I've been sworn to an agreement with my former employer. But what I can tell you is that, um, what can I tell you? I can tell you that uh, it came as a shock to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I had plans to stay at SBS for a long time. I'd been there for 34 years. I developed this thing called the Tour de France, which uh, blossomed in the 34-year period that I was there mm. from virtually nothing. Um, management, the newsroom particularly, in its wisdom, decided to move me on. I can't tell you the specifics, but it's unfortunate because I loved SBS. It uh, ran through my veins. Um, uh, it's a network that provides so much good quality television at a time when there's so much uh, non-quality rubbish, I'll say it, rubbish on the commercial networks. Mm. I believe SBS and the ABC, for that matter, provides uh, interesting television, quality television, not just mm. in sport, not just in cycling, but across uh, the spectrum of, yeah. of entertainment and information. Mm. Unfortunately, I'm not there. SBS management decided in its wisdom it was time for me to move on. Um, and so be it. I'm not looking in the rear vision mirror. I'm looking mm. ahead. And I've got to say, the future is looking bright. And, and you'll see me around, I'm sure. Yeah. Mike, tell us um, the initial reaction from friends and fans around Australia and the world when that news broke. Look, it was overwhelming. It caught me by surprise. Look, I knew that uh, through SBS, I and management had done a lot of good things in terms of building the profile, building the coverage of this thing called the Tour de France. As I said earlier, next to nobody was watching way back in 1991 when SBS gained the rights for the very first time. And it was virtually given to the network on a platter. Mm. ASO, the race uh, owners, the organisers said, uh, came to us one day and said, look, we've got this thing, this daily highlights program called the Tour de France. Are you interested? And 30 years ago, SBS was basically in its infancy, only 11 years old, and mm. we were looking for content and we were looking for sporting events and events in general that were a little bit mm. different to the mainstream consumption in Australia. It wasn't NRL. It wasn't AFL. It wasn't cricket. Mm. Um, the staple sports uh, that we've come to know in Australia, we've come to grow up watching. Um, this was different. And we knew that uh, through world football, uh, which uh, SBS was also known for, soccer, uh, we thought that cycling would also, over time, uh, grab the imagination of viewers. It's mm. a world sport. It's, it's primarily a European sport, sure. But I think through SBS and through the other non-English speaking markets, the USA, New Zealand, South Africa and parts of Asia, it has become mm. a global sport. So, we're very proud that we have promoted the event uh, and turned it into something very, very special. 
over Ooh. the last 30 years. So, um, yeah, from being next to nothing in terms of viewer no, view, viewing numbers, uh, the viewers, I can tell you, in 2021, we're up to half a million every night. So we've turned it right around. Yeah, it's certainly um, changed so much over the years. Mike, uh, one personal um, highlight for me, I guess, is uh, the passion and energy and, and, and that real sort of fraternity um, behind and the build-up to a race or an event, um, particularly your sort of teaser voiceovers and ads you used to do before the two out of France. I'll never forget, personally, 2014 Lanterns by Birds of Tokyo. And, um, you know, that the build-up to the race and on we march. And it's like we're all in a big arms around. We're all in this together. We're about to start for the Tour de France. And, you know, it just won't be the same without you and your passion and your drive, you know, building up and preparing the Australian audience for, for events like the Tour de France. Thanks, Nat. Uh, I really appreciate your kind words. Uh, look, I worked with a team of professionals and the song that uh, you mentioned is just one of many montages that we've produced over the years. And I've got to thank uh, my editor, Mark Fallahy, who is the, uh, I call him the Steven Spielberg of uh, our SBS coverage. He's the mm. eyes and ears and knows how to put together uh, a beautiful pictorial montage uh, with uh, beautiful music and uh, knows how to capture an image. And, of course, Catherine Whelan is uh, our executive producer. We've had uh, Stuart Randall in the past, another executive producer. But, look, what I'm trying to say is we've got a professional team uh, mm. that works on the Tour de France, and we're not necessarily all cyclists, although I do ride a bike these days. Um, a lot of them just want to be part of an event that's so different and unique. Mm. And... Look, the Tour de France primarily is a sporting event first, but what we've done at SBS through our producers and through our creative people is uh, turned it into an event that captures the imagination of not just the sporting public, but um, an audience that loves the Tour for many different reasons. It's got yeah. so many different layers. They watch it, uh, the audiences, for the sport, the pushing of mm. pedals, sure, but there's the scenery, there's the uh, history, there's the uh, chateaus. And through Gabriel Garte and um, in recent times, uh, Guillaume Ibrahim, Ibrahim, I should say, Guillaume Brahimi, uh, it's, it's the, uh, the chefs. Mm. And uh, we've learned to appreciate and love um, French cuisine through those mm. two chefs. So we've turned it into a cultural journey over the yeah. years, not just a sporting event. And I think that's the appeal of the mm. Tour de France on Australian television these days. Look, to editorialise here, I personally think SBS rate tour ratings are going to drop next year quite markedly without you there um, building up and presenting each each uh, stage each evening. Um, also, that and the fact that there's more and more opportunities, more channels for people to get their race coverage. I can watch the Tour de France from my mobile phone these days, you know, um, via apps such as GCN. So anyway, I'm just going to throw that in. I don't expect you to want to reply to that, but I reckon a lot of people would be with me in just saying, you know, well, SBS. All, all I can say to that, uh, Nat, is um, SBS has made a decision and uh, it's a decision that uh, they have to live with. Yeah. I know that the outpouring of public support has been quite incredible. It's, it's caught me by surprise. And as I said before, I knew we were doing something right with the Tour de France because the numbers have uh, reflected that but I didn't realise how much love there is for me personally. And, and I've seen it on uh, all the different social media platforms. And I'm very humbled by all the love out there. Mm. Um, look, you're right. We've, we have done something right. And if it, 
has affected the people that are watching this broadcast. Um, all I can say is, look, reach out to SBS. Uh, I didn't want to leave the way it, uh, the way I did leave. And mm. if there's an opportunity for me to return, I'll certainly come back. All I'm saying to you is perhaps you can just make a phone call, uh, um, make a phone call and uh, just uh, explain to SBS how mm. disappointed that you might be for seeing me depart in un, uh, un, unexpected terms. So, Mike, can you tell us back to those early days? And I do vividly remember 1995, for other reasons, I remember this is the year that I was seeing you, um, you know, presenting the Tour de France. Um, what, what, when did you start going over for that annual pilgrimage? Well, it was 1996, Nat, uh, and the reason I went over there, I think, was because I did dabble in cycling prior to that. For those who are old enough to remember, in the early 90s and be, before that, the 80s, there was an event on the eastern seaboard of Australia called the Commonwealth Bank Cycle Classic. Mm. Now, it was a precursor to the Tour Down Under, and it was an event that was pro-am back then. Professional riders took part, as did the amateurs. And uh, a lot of the riders uh, that came from Europe went on to become household names. I remember when I um, covered the event for SBS, uh, Jan Ulrich uh, was one rider. He was only 18 years of age, couldn't speak English at all, uh, very, very skinny, very thin, but he did have the rainbow jersey around him as a world uh, junior champion. He was mm. wearing that uh, as when he came to Australia. Jens Voigt was another one. The Bosch wow. team that represented back then were filled with talented riders. So, um, look, I went uh, – uh, um, uh, the reason I went out and, and covered that event, uh, despite the fact that my first love was football, soccer, um, I covered that event because the boss came out, I remember, one day and said, look, we've got this event called the Commonwealth Bank Cycle Classic. It's a week-long cycling tour. Uh, who wants to go and cover it? I was a journalist. I was a reporter. I looked around the room. All the soccer heads didn't put their hand up, but I thought, look, I'll put my hand up, primarily because uh, I knew that it was being uh, held down the east coast of Australia. It started from the Gold Coast, went into New South Wales and finished in uh, the ACT in the nation, nation's capital. But I saw it as an opportunity to write some stories, cover some stories, not necessarily sporting stories, but I saw cycling, which I knew nothing about back then. I knew nothing about the logistics and how it operated, professional cycling and multi-day events like uh, the Commonwealth Bank Cycle Classic. But I saw it as an opportunity to write some human interest stories and mm. cover it for our daily um, daily news piece uh, called Toyota World Sports back then. So, and it gave me an opportunity just to get out of the office and see a little bit of the countryside. I fell in love with the Bank Classic back then. Yeah. And so come 1996, I was in England for the European Football Championships. And as the games were running out, I was based in the north of England covering, uh, covering the soccer tournament uh, in places like Anfield and Old Trafford. And I was up at Newcastle. Uh, St. James's Park up there in Birmingham, uh, Villa Park. But then when the game started to run out, the boss said to me, look, we want you to go over to Holland where the tour started in 96 in a town called Den Bosch, not too far from Eindhoven. And we want you to be the face of the tour. And by that, I mean, the boss was saying, uh, just basically top and tail our daily highlights coverage and uh, get to talk to some of the Australian riders that were starting mm. to make an impression. And I remember back in 96, we had three Aussies, Scott Sunderland, Patrick Yonker, oh, and uh, Neil Stevens. Mm. Now, I said to the boss, look, boss, uh, I'm loving this football tournament. Do I really have to go? 
And he said, look, you don't have to go, but it would do me proud if you did go over there. You're the only one in the stable that knows anything about cycling. And I didn't know too much. But, uh, look, I went over. I was in two minds at the time. And having said, yes, I will go over, knowing that the Tour de France was a huge event, but knowing that it had potential to become even bigger, it was a life-changing decision. I did go over uh, and I knew straight away, wow, this is quite an incredible event. There I was in Den Bosch, thousands of people, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people lining the streets, journalists and media from all over the world, and I was one of them. I had to pinch myself. And having done the tour this year, even though we weren't over there, I still pinch myself after yeah. 26 consecutive editions. Yeah, wonderful stuff. Is there a standout or a couple of standout highlights in that year? I've got a feeling it might be 2011, but you've got the conch, Mike. Yeah, look, uh, there are many standouts. I think uh, in the early days, it was the arrival of the Australians, the new wave of Aussies. And I referred to Robbie McEwen, Stuart O'Grady, Brad McGee, Baden Cook, uh, those guys. And, and why were they so special? Well, they were winning sages. They were mm. winning coloured jerseys. They were wearing coloured jerseys, I should say. And uh, they were household names in Europe, more so than, than in Australia. Not too many people realise that Robbie McEwen was, was a champion sprinter, winning stages, grabbing yet green jerseys for the, being the best uh, in the points competition. And Stuart O'Grady became the second Australian to wear the yellow jersey behind Phil Anderson. That was in 1998 when Baden Cook came across to uh, win the green jersey in 2003. All of a sudden, uh, the media here in Australia was standing up, sitting up and taking notice. Who are these guys who who are so uh, well-known, standing on top of podiums on the Champs-Élysées with coloured jerseys? And all of a sudden, the mainstream media who are running into uh, NRL, AFL and cricket were, were taking notice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think through them as well, through the commercial networks, uh, even though they didn't have the rights, they were starting to realise, hey, these guys are Aussies and they're conquering sporting events on the other side of the world. It wasn't Formula One. It wasn't golf. Uh, it wasn't uh, English Premier League football. It was cycling and Aussies were mm-hmm. dominating. And all of a sudden, the world on our side of the uh, globe was taking notice. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. Um so you've obviously been there many, many consecutive years. What about next July? Will, will you be over there, Mike? Well, no, in, in, uh, and just to further uh, on some of my highlights, uh, I'll, I'll continue mm. with that uh, tangent, uh, if I may, Nat. Uh, you're right, uh, Cadet 11s in 2011 is a standout. Uh, I think primarily because I never thought in my time, even though Aussies were making a name for themselves in the early years, I didn't think in my time I would ever see an Australian win the Tour de France, but it came very, very early in my career, 2011, what, uh, 15 years after my first Tour de France. Mm. So uh, to see Cadell up there on the podium, we know the story now. He fought tooth and nail to get that yellow jersey. He mm. he got it on the second last stage and uh, with Tina Arena singing the national anthem, it just brings mm. goosebumps uh, yeah. to me every time I think about it. But prior to that, I've got to say, love him or hate him, Lance Armstrong, um, it made a huge difference to our audiences as well, uh, not just to our audience, I think to the world of cycling, uh, which was predominantly dominated by European-speaking countries. Well, that all changed when the Aussies, but 
more so, Lance Armstrong started, um, I won't say winning races, but certainly he was the first one to cross the finish line in Paris on seven occasions. And we all know mm. what happened to him. He yeah. was my hero. And he was the hero of many people of my era. Uh, he mm. was the one that got me on a bike 20 years ago. I never thought I'd ever would ride, but I thought at the time I better practice what I preach first and foremost. But mm. it was the inspiration of Lance Armstrong's successes that got me there as well. And uh, not only that, uh, the fact that he spoke our language, uh, he came from an English-speaking country. I had the opportunity to speak to him as a reporter on numerous occasions. Uh, he got me. He got me on a bike. Um, mm. I don't particularly uh, think much of Lance Armstrong these days. Yeah. Um, I feel he's very bitter and twisted, having uh, heard him uh, speak on his podcast. I think he's got to get over that. He, sure, he's... Uh, in he's uh, serving a, a lifetime ban, which I think is, is a little bit unfair, given that there were so many other cyclists uh, doping their doping themselves up mm. with the eyeballs. But he was a bully. Uh, he mm. was the ringleader, and he's got to live with uh, the decision that was made by the UCI. It's unfortunate, mm. but that's the way it is. And I mm. do wish that Lance would uh, move on a little bit. Uh, he can play a role as an influencer. Um, I follow him on Strava. He still rides his bike. He doesn't race, obviously. But he's got to move on from being bitter and twisted because the world has changed. And I think the sooner he gets away from that bitter, bitter, bitterness and twisted attitude and arrogance, uh, I think uh, perhaps attitudes might change towards mm. him. He was my hero, not so much now. But having said all that, he did play a huge role in getting bums on saddles here in Australia. Yeah, and... And that leads me into something we discussed earlier that I want to talk about. Bums on saddles. Uh, obviously, in the last 18 months, there's been a real rise in the number of people riding and buying new bikes. You can't even buy a new bike or a decent bike in Australia at the moment. Have you, have you noticed, I guess you would have seen this really big growth phase in cycling over probably the last 10, 15 years or so, that time frame. It really is booming, isn't it? Oh, sure, it sure has. And look, I've got to say, uh, watching the SBS coverage for many people has played a big role. But COVID, the pandemic over the last 18 to 20 months has played a huge role as well. I mean, many people couldn't get past their five or 10 kilometre radius because of the lockdown situations right across the country. Um, as a result, they were purchasing bikes, whether mm. they be push bikes or, or e-bikes or bikes for their children, everybody is riding bicycles. And uh, that's one good thing that's come out of the pandemic. So, um, look, uh, if it wasn't Lance or it wasn't Cadell, it certainly was the pandemic that has got uh, bums on saddles. And I think um, as a result, uh, Nat, the culture is changing in Australia. There was a time not so long ago when uh, motorists and cyclists were labelled us and them. Well, mm. the motorists these days, I believe, are riding the bicycles as well. So... Those that were them are now yeah. us, and we're yeah. all one big happy family, I believe. And sure, there are some motorists out there who uh, refuse to accept the cyclists, um, but I think uh, attitudes and c the culture is changing in Australia as for that reason. The motorists yeah. are riding bicycles these days, and the pandemic has played a huge role. It really does seem to have. Mike, I want to move on to um, what you're doing next. I've got to say we are thrilled to have you uh, co-presenting, uh, co-emceeing, if you like, at our Barrel Classic Grand Fondo in December. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, Nat. Um, look, yeah. I've known and heard all about the Barrel Classic and the other classics as well that uh, Bicycling Australia 
uh, is involved with. Uh, you've got the Snowy Mountains, you've got Noosa, you've got Mudgee, and you've got Clare in South Australia. So it's uh, five events, and I'm told that uh, there could be a, a few more uh, well, as, part of, as part of the stable. So I look forward to that announcement. Yeah. But, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to Barrel. I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of friends of mine who have done it. I haven't done it, but I'll be the man behind the microphone uh, urging everybody to have a good time and talking to people and trying to entertain as many of the 4,000 people that yes. will be there. Looking forward to that very, very much. And you're on stage alongside Lee uh, Hollywood Turner, so good luck trying to get a word in with Lee there. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to uh, share, share the limelight, aren't we? I'll, I'm sure yeah. I'll get on with, with Lee no, very, very well. I know Lee. Be, he likes, he likes the microphone, but so do I. <laughs> it's going to be so good to have you there and your uh, enthusiasm and passion for the sport and um, obviously among a lot of friends too and people will be so pleased to see you. Mike, what, where else can we expect to see you? With, you know, obviously not on SBS, so your opportunities may open up for other, other things throughout look, the year. One door shuts and so many doors have opened. Um, look, I'm the um, ambassador for many charity rides, which are very dear to my heart, I've got to say. One being the Mental Wheels Foundation. The Mental Wheels Tour takes place in March of next year. It goes through the Snowy Mountains. It's a four-day tour. Have a okay. look at mentalwheelsfoundation.org and you too can join me in uh, in riding into the Snowy Mountains. We finish up in Marimbula on the New South Wales South Coast. So it's a downhill run from Charlotte's Pass four-day nice. event. One of my favourite events, uh, Nat, is the Sydney to Surfers ride. I've done that twice now, ridden from Sydney to the Gold Coast, and we do that for Father Riley's Youth Off the Streets. Okay. Now, the Youth Off the Streets program is a program that um, um, takes in students, students that have come from um, disadvantaged backgrounds. They've been bullied at home. They've been kicked out of home, some of them. Uh, one or two of them have been uh, picked up off uh, Sydney beaches. Um where they've housed themselves, housed not really being the appropriate word, but they've been found mm. um, on, on their own, uh, yeah. having been bullied and kicked. And that, look, their lives have been turned around from the program, the Youth Off the Streets program. And as a result, some of them have turned to cycling. Now, 200 of us ride from Sydney to Surfers Paradise in May of every year, and around uh, a dozen of the students uh, join us. And they, 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 their bikes are donated. They have flat pedals. Uh, they don't necessarily have proper necks or jerseys. The clothing that they do wear, the bikes that they do ride are donated. Um, but if they have problems uh, climbing hills, uh, we'd like to push them along and help them. And I've got to say, they're only teenagers, aged between 14 and 18. And despite the fact that we've got a sag wagon out the back for anybody who may need it, the kids, they do not. Entering that sag wagon does not enter their mind. Uh, they are fighters in every sense of the word. So that's the reason I love that ride. Go to, uh, if you're interested, there's still opportunity uh, spots for you next year. We haven't done the ride because of COVID in the last two years, but it's Sydney to surface uh, uh, bike ride. I'm not exactly sure of the website, but yeah. it's one that I love because we do ride with the students and the Wonderful. money that we raise we know where it's going. It's going alongside those guys that are riding with us. So we see where yeah. the money is being raised, yeah. uh, the funds are being raised. So I love that. City to Surface, it's on in the first week in May of 2022. Look forward to seeing you there. That's great, Mike. 
Um, okay, we're going to wrap this up very shortly. I'm just going to have five quick questions that we can go out with. And the first two do relate to those um, that epic cycling, those long-distance rides you do. So how many kilometres or hours or days do you try and put in per week on the bike? Well, in the early days, I was doing probably just uh, between 50 and 100. Uh, since I uh, became unemployed on a full-time basis, that is, I've been clocking up to 400 kilometres wow, nice. a week. So I did 100 this morning. It's only day one of the week, Monday. So uh, yeah. you know, I, I might even crack 400. That's good, Mike. What are you riding outside? What sort of bike are you riding? I've got an Argon 18. Um, I'm looking forward to collecting a uh, gravel bike. Gravel riding seems oh. to be the way to go. I'm also the ambassador for the Gears and Beers event down at Wagga Wagga, which is taking place in March next year and also in October. So I'm going to take on the Dirty 130 for the first time next year on the gravel. Okay. So um, what is your coffee of choice when you stop? Maybe at the end of the ride, what do you drink, Mike? Well, I live in the southern suburbs of Sydney. I do take in the Royal National Park. Uh, sometimes we'll go to Cronulla or the eastern suburbs. But I ride with a group called Phoenix Cycles at Oatley in New South Wales. And they make, uh, apart from having the best uh, bike shop in the land, they've got a little section there where they make the best cafe as well. It's provided by the White Horse brand. And uh, after a long day in the saddle, we do up to 100 Ks on a weekend per day uh the white horse blend of coffee at the phoenix cycles is the best for me okay your favorite australian song of all time mike my favorite song of all time i would have to say i've got two that come to mind and you've caught me off guard one by the master's apprentices called, called because i love you it goes back to the late 1960s and in more recent times well not that recent i guess 25 years ago the church under, a, under the Milky Way. Oh, it's a wonderful song. Love a good Australian song. Final question. What do you do when you're not riding a bike? What I do, well, I'm a granddad now and I've got two gorgeous grandchildren. I've got two daughters who have uh, produced uh, two grandchildren, one being a three and a half. His name is River, River Phoenix Gonzalez. That's his name. Uh, and you can guess by the name that my daughter had a crush on River Phoenix, the actor. Uh, and the <laughs> other one is uh, Sienna, who's only six months old. So they keep me busy. Um, loving life at the moment. Yeah, that's so good, Mike. And it's such a pleasure uh, to see you, to speak with you, and for you to be so open with the audience here um, on the Bicycling Australia podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Love the magazine. And thanks for that uh, that uh, double-page spread from the last edition. I think it was uh, the winter edition. Uh, look, exactly. I really enjoyed that, and it was yeah. terrific. Look forward to seeing everybody at Barrel in New South Wales for the Classic on December 11 and 12. Is that correct? That's spot on, Mike. We'll see yeah. you there. See bring you there. That bring that bike down. We'll have to go for a ride. Will do, mate. Thanks, Mike. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.